This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, the height of the pandemic was obviously a great challenge for everyone, but for some, those who live alone or maybe don't connect with the public as much, that element of loneliness can have an impact on your brain. Michael Platt, professor of marketing here at the Warden School, professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, and professor of neuroscience with the Perelman School of Medicine, joins us with more on this. Michael, it has been a while. Great to talk to you again. It has been a while, but it's really good to be here again. Great to thank you. And so, thank you. And so, this component of of loneliness and the brain take us into kind of the connection here and what is it that also kind of drives your interest in looking at it? Yeah, well, um, this is really the, uh, the key part of the human adaptive toolkit is our ability and need to connect with other people. So, you know, we cooperate on a scale that is not observed really anywhere else in the animal kingdom. This has obviously allowed us to build great universities and reach the moon, but, um, but you know, there are some serious consequences here, which is that for most of us, there's a real deep need to connect with other people, basically to have friends, have social support. That social support is critical to survival, it's critical for success in the world, and it's critical for your health and well-being. And, and when you think about that connection, you talk about it being a lifelong element. I mean, realistically, it starts right when we are born. The connection that a baby has with its father and mother uh, in most cases uh, and, and the, the help that those individuals give to that young person growing up. That's absolutely the case. In fact, for most of human history and prehistory, it took a couple of generations to raise any um, any youngster, you know, up to full productive adulthood, because our brains are so expensive that um, it requires a lot of care, a lot of uh, a lot of investment, and our relationships are really key to to how we navigate the world. In fact, each and every one of us has within our own heads a specialized network of brain areas we call the social brain network that manages both our moment-to-moment interactions with other people and our long-term relationships. And what's really amazing about this, we now know that people who have more friends or deeper friendships, this social brain network is actually bigger. And we know that some of that comes from what you got from your parents, but so much more of it is up to how you use it. So you can strengthen it like a muscle. So the, the element of loneliness is one that I guess we can see pop up uh, and, and it could pop up at a variety of different points in our lives, correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think this is, this is one of the most um, profound and um, I, I think disturbing uh, parts of kind of modern life. Um, you know, before the pandemic, you mentioned the pandemic, before the pandemic, half of people surveyed said they felt lonely in the past year, 20% of young people, and they didn't have a single friend. And we know that uh, from really beautiful work um, done by epidemiologists that, you know, that not that being lonely, loneliness is worse for your health than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day or being diabetic or being, um, you know, overweight. I mean, it's really incredible. So then the component of, of, of remote work, which I mentioned at the top, then I, I think you, you have to add that in. Because now, because of the pandemic, we obviously 
were alone uh, or you know cut off from our friends in many cases, even though we might have that connection through social media to a degree, we were cut off from them a lot. We've kind of come back a little bit, but now we have the component of work from home, which again is going to thrust a variety of people into being by themselves for the most part during the course of, of a majority of their working lives. Yeah, so we know that during the pandemic, when everybody was working from home, that rates of anxiety and depression skyrocketed, the the deaths of despair in this country um, accelerated. Um, So this is a big deal, right? And um, on the one hand, we get it that being able to work from home has some some great benefits, right? You can be more flexible, you don't have to wear pants, you you can fold laundry and, you know, pet your cat while while you're at work, but you lose that critical connection to the people that you work with. And I think this is particularly challenging for young people um, because if you're just entering the workforce, you've just been hired by a company, you don't have that opportunity to form those strong connections to, uh, you know, to develop mentors uh, for you uh, in the office. And um, that's, that's, I think, a huge problem. And what we saw over the course of the pandemic is that those companies where engagement was higher and actually there was a really great report out of microsoft last month those companies that had higher levels of engagement that means that their workforce was more connected to each other and to the company right they actually performed much better uh, during the pandemic and we, we've seen this time and time again that kind of social connection the culture that you develop in the workplace and feeling a sense of belongingness is really critical it goes well beyond the salary that you get do we have to add, and maybe it, to a degree it already ha- has been, but adding that component of loneliness into the larger focus around mental health that is being brought up so much more uh, frequently uh, in our culture these days and especially in our business communities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, um, put out an advisory on loneliness a few weeks ago. Uh, and um, in it, he described all of the, um, you know, all of the things that I just talked about in terms of its impact on health and mental health and well-being, um, a lot of the solutions lie in um, kind of policy at the level of government, but so much more, I think, is um, potentially in the, you know, in the wheelhouse of um, the private sector. So can we create work conditions that are optimal for fostering the kinds of social connections that um, keep people, you know, happy, healthy, and therefore, you know, more productive? more engaged what are some of the ways that you do that because i i i think it it just my opinion it has to go well beyond having the connection of of zoom or teams or you know or slack in in those manners you need to be able to to take it even farther correct yeah i mean i think that's very clear uh honestly the pandemic caught neuroscientists a bit flat-footed in terms of being able to measure what that impact is but i think we've all experienced it that there's just something that's not quite the same, not quite right, when you're, you know, you're staring at a little tiny flat box where a three-dimensional human being has now been squashed into two dimensions. And the, you know, the nonverbal cues in particular that are so important that our brains are basically hoovering up, you know, millisecond to millisecond that, that guide our, our interactions with other people. They're just, you know, they're just not there or they're just a lot harder to read. So that, that's what makes, you know, that's the reason why we feel Zoom fatigue, which is a, a real thing. Our brains really struggle under those conditions. So I think that 
you know, how do we get beyond that? Um, I think you've got to be in the same place with people, yeah. at least some of the time. And uh, in creating conditions, I mean, one of the things that we really, really emphasize is giving people space and giving them time and sometimes a prompt um, actually talk to each other, right? I mean, that is how we build connections. That's how our brains have done that for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years is through conversation, working together. Um, that's how our, you know, each of our brains gets to know the other brains and the people that we're interacting with and how we can come into life. So being in the same place at the same time is good. Having done the research that you have done during your career then, uh, is it, it, I would imagine it has to be very interesting to see a lot of these components being looked at even more so now in the round the scope of the business world, that, that businesses really have taken a deeper dive into how some of these components are impacting their employees. Obviously, there's a variety of reasons why some of them are, are from a financial perspective, but just the fact that companies are, are diving deeper into this has to be interesting for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because I've been working on this for my entire career. Uh, spent a lot of that career studying monkeys. I mean, monkeys depend on each other in exactly the same way we do. Their brains are wired up in the same way. And, um, you know, we found that, uh, you know, you talk about organizational change, you know, and that's a big topic for companies these days. Things are volatile. Things are always changing. Uh, how do you position your employees to respond to this? you got to have strong social connections uh, amongst them. So we found that, you know, in monkeys going through a natural disaster, which uh, a hurricane, which aged them uh, by about two years. So that's like eight years of human life. Okay, so you don't want that to happen to you. Uh, right. Those monkeys who were actually most resilient, uh, who were more likely to survive, were the ones who reached out and made more friends. I mean, we, you know, the insight, the conclusions we can draw for ourselves couldn't be more, um, be more vivid. We're joined by uh, Michael Platt, uh, professor here at the Wharton School and as well at the University of Pennsylvania, talking about the component of loneliness uh, and how it affects the brain. Uh, the importance of, of of that connection between uh, employee and, and, and boss or employee and employee is an interesting one because we relied on it so much, and yet all of a sudden, because of the pandemic, it, it, it's like... There are all, there's a generation, and maybe this is generational, Michael, that there's generations out there that just don't feel that 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 need is maybe as prevalent as it has been in the past. Well, I think I think they have the need. They just don't know what it know what that is. I mean, honestly, it's, it's amazing. It, the the need to connect with other people is so strong that we feel craving for it in the same way we crave food or you know drugs. Honestly, it evolves. Same, the same bits of the brain, that, that drive to be together. I think that you know, one thing that I've heard a lot from business leaders is that you know, generations that are coming up and joining the workforce um, are different, right? They're different from other generations. And if you think about why, all the digital natives, you know, they, they grew up online, they grew up with uh, smartphones in their pockets and social media. And you know, that's a very, very different way of interacting with other people and may, um, and I think there's some uh, strong likelihood to this, it may not be the best way to tune up the networks in our brain that we use to, you know, to you know, navigate relationships and, yeah. and figure out how to get along with other people. Um, you know, it's just that's a critical period for development. If you think about adolescence, 
And, uh, you know, if you're spending all that time sending text messages or, or you know, WhatsApp or, you know, even Snapchat, you name it, it's not, not the same thing as a face-to-face yeah. conversation. And so I guess the, the, the moral to this, uh, Michael, is that for bosses out there, when you get your employees back in the office, don't complain about them standing around the water cooler and taking a couple of minutes to talk with one another, right? Absolutely not. Give them more time to do that. And I think also the other thing bosses can do is, uh, is be good role models, right? So don't be aloof. Don't, um, you know, work 20-hour days. Uh, yep. But, you know, make time to talk to the people around you. Michael, always great to have you with us and gain your insight. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Dan. You got it. Michael Platt, professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, professor of neuroscience with the Perelman School of Medicine. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.